1: Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're going to talk USC Fall Camp 2018 with Dan Weber, Pete writer and columnist for us here at uscfootball.com. It's been a crazy first three days of camp. We've got so much content going up. There's been all kinds of recruiting news, a bunch of... Uh, prospects have committed to usc over this time frame like right when fall camp's going on so it's so crazy you have to go to uscfootball.com for a page and keep up we actually have a promotion going today on tuesday that goes till midnight so if you're listening to it on tuesday we're trying to do this early enough where you can listen to it uh you buy one month at 995 and you get four months free so you basically the whole rest of the year all the content you could want for ten dollars no one puts up more content and dan weber's one of our star content providers who's joining us right now what's up dan how you doing
0: you're right <clears throat> i don't think i've ever seen uh a uh, few days uh, like the last few days the combination of uh, commitments and uh, starting a practice and all the storylines in practice and what have you i mean it's uh, i mean we're in the middle of it it's hard to keep up with it uh so uh would uh, it be nice if the fans <laughs> would be allowed to come to practice maybe uh but uh uh, it's a, it's a, whir. it's just a blur kind of, uh, and, uh, this week, uh, six practices, five in pads, two full pads and one scrimmage. And, uh, I tend to agree with Clay. This is really an important week for this football team. I got yesterday, Monday was a, a big, big day. The first day in pads, uh, uh this is just a lot going on and, uh, that's fun.
1: It is a lot going on. It is fun. It's busy, busy for us. Um, I'm just, you know, feel like I'm working till midnight and then getting up at six and working some more. But that's for all of you guys out there. There is tons of content, whatever you like. You want you know, if you want photos, you want videos, you want stories, you want analysis, anything you could possibly want. You want podcasts, you want live shows. We got all that stuff going up on uscfootball.com. For this show, if you have any questions or comments, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. Or you can call or text us, 424-254-9141. We've got emails, we got texts, we got voicemails. We've got to do a lot today. Uh, so before we jump into all that, I want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. They've been great to us, and we're trying to finalize something. And Dan Weber came up with a good idea for the Jock Rally. I think we might do something for that. We're still working on it. That would be the the night before the UNLV game, which I believe would be August 31st, right? The UNLV game is September 1st. But uh, Trader Joe's, has been working with them. Past year or so, it's been wonderful. It's been a great relationship. Uh, we Dan and I both love shopping at Trader Joe's. It's funny how many meals a day my wife makes, and she's like, "This was from Trader Joe's, and this was from Trader Joe's." So just go walk down the aisles, check out some stuff that you might like. Experiment with something you maybe you haven't tried before. There are a lot of options at Trader Joe's. Um, I love getting all kinds of stuff. I'm more of a snack guy, I like snacking on things, but my wife will like pick out different uh, pieces and, and put like an entree and some appetizers and stuff together. So. I don't know what you like to get there Dan, but I, I there's a lot of stuff I like.
0: I like walking down the aisles to be honest and yeah. uh, just checking stuff that I hadn't uh seen. Uh, usually it's stuff I like but I didn't know you could get, you know, uh somewhere. And uh so I'm not the I'm not the the biggest adventurer in terms <laughs> of uh food, but uh what what they surprised me with is oh, you've got that stuff. Okay. Wow. I like that. Okay. So that's uh, that's my Trader Joe's
1: uh, story. Yeah, and there's, it's, the bags are always very popular, so we're going to have some event sometime this month. We'll let you know uh, where you can come pick up some of those bags. Um, I was at the concerts at the beach at Hermosa Beach yesterday. I saw a bunch of people with the Trader Joe's USC bags, so it's fun. They're popular, so we'll, we'll try to be able to get them to you, and we'll let you know as soon as we possibly can. Uh, as soon as we plan something, uh, we'll let you know. But think about the Jock Rally for UNLV. If you want to be there Friday night before the game, that would be a good one. Um, all right, Dan. So we've had two practices Friday, Saturday, no pads. Sunday off, take a day of rest. Um, they're not practicing at all on Sunday for fall. Then uh, yesterday, which was Monday, they were at it in uh, shoulder pads. It looked a lot different. You know, I talked to to Matt Fink extensively. Um, we, we put that up on uscfootball.com. You can hear the whole conversation. I put notes in, uh, and video and stuff. He had some high praise for his offensive linemen, saying they're the best in the country. The defensive line is the best in the country. But there was a lot of pressure. There was a, a bunch of snaps on the ground for the second day, in a, you know, second practice in a row. We're going to go out there this afternoon, another shoulder pads practice. Uh, do you think it's going to get cleaned up a little bit on the offensive side or is it still going to be a defensive dominated thing?
0: I, I actually I thought the, uh, offense had some things going for them. I think the first day in pads actually helped the, uh, offense a little bit. Uh, and, and so what you had yesterday was just, uh, uh, tough situations for the offense, uh, some third and longs, uh, and, uh, all out blitzes. You know, somebody asked, uh, were they in a base defense? And I said, <laughs> not really. They were basically coming. Uh, and, uh, and that's good. I mean, they want to, you know, they, you don't have a lot of time to figure out who the quarterback has to be. Uh, but I think that the, the best thing that's going to happen is by, by the defense coming and playing that way is not only do you, you know, get a good idea about the quarterback, you really get a good idea about your offensive line and they've got to bring it every day. And I think that was the mistake and that's been the, been the failing of, and probably have said it a thousand times that, you gotta play, uh, you know, full speed. Uh, you gotta play the way the game is played. Uh, that's how you gotta practice. And, uh, that was the, you know, the genius of, uh, of great coaches. And it, it was a genius, obviously, of Pete uh, Carroll. And, uh, now that they've got a full roster and they feel like they've got the depth and, uh, they know they have to do it because of the quarterback situation, I think all that's working. I think all that's working together well. And one of the things you find out, for example, is, if you've got a problem snapping the ball, if, you know, face it, Toa Lovenon has played a whole lot more football at tackle and guard than he has at center. And, you know, just because, you know, size wise and experience wise and all that, uh, if, you know, you think, well, adding center to his resume really helps him at the next level and all that, uh, he still, you know, you still have to be able to execute that and, uh, uh, you find out right away. If, if you have to, you know, start looking some other direction and, you know, looking at a, you know, another position for toe and all that, but you want to find that out right away and you find it out if you're going all out the way they were going all out yesterday. So that was, I think a good thing. And now you just see, uh, see where you go the next few days. But, uh, but that's why it's so important to practice it at that, uh, At that tempo, at that speed, and and, and just go all out. And uh, that was a a really positive, uh, positive thing, I think, that happened yesterday. That was a big, a big, big day for USC uh, football yesterday.
1: You know, um, and you know, the good thing about this is we have a a bunch of eyes out there from our site, so everyone's kind of given different opinions. You might see different things. You might see a guy drop two balls, but you know, when you turn your head, he caught three more. You know, there's all these things that happen. You can't obviously watch. Everything, and now they're doing this two-spotting, which I think they call it, is where they're doing multiple sets of offenses and defenses at once. Um, You know, running, I think, the same place most of the time, but you're trying to get as many reps as possible. So that makes it a little bit more challenging. You might have people on the far side of the field. um, You know, some days it's a a Jack Sears or a Matt Fink, and you can't see them as well because they're behind a whole bunch of bodies and stuff. But um, to me, Dan, I mean, it did seem like... I I. know I'm not worried about Toa Lobanon. If I was a USC fan, I wouldn't be worried about him. There have been some snapping problems for sure. Not just him. I think some of the other guys too. And it just seems sometimes like the play is called and one of the offensive linemen doesn't move or doesn't seem to block the right direction. There's some missed assignments. It seems a little, I don't want to say sloppy, but it seems like it's not really tight yet. And maybe that takes some time. But I think you know, with all the the walkthroughs and everything that they've done, you kind of would expect them to at least be on the same page. And I don't know. It's just from what I've viewed, Dan, I just haven't seen that yet.
0: Yeah, I think it was tighter. Uh, so I'll take this. They were going full speed, and there were fewer missed assignments. Uh, and not not many. I I think it's the kind of thing that if you're in that situation that they were in yesterday with the third and longs and uh, blitzes, if you miss an assignment, that's the end of the play. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, I think it, it was more obvious that they missed a sign. I, I was surprised that you know there, there really were. I don't, I didn't think there were that many. I do think uh, I like it that they go from you know one to the next to the next. You got to jump in there and be ready if you're alternating in a position. Uh, uh, you know, you, you're not going to have time to you know to think about it. And if you miss the count, you're gonna you know you're gonna be in trouble. I, I thought one of the the good things was. Um, uh, I guess T. Martin was talking about how uh, J.T. Daniels, for example, handled all the uh, protections perfectly uh, against the blitz. Uh, well, that's really good. I mean, that, that's a, like a, that's gigantic. That uh, you know, you know all the things he can do, but you don't. I mean, he wasn't handling that, you know, kind of a defense and that kind of a blitz and having to get those kind of protections right last year. Uh, you know, as good as modern day was, and as sophisticated as, as the stuff they run is. Uh, he wasn't having to face what he faced yesterday. And for him to be able to, you know, go out there and do it first time out, to me, that's, uh, that's really important. Um, uh, finding somebody who's going to be on the right count every single play, uh, they'll find, I think they've got a chance to find that guy, you know, that guy if you've got a position where, uh, you know, either, you know, the snaps aren't there, or somebody not getting the count or whatever, they're not focused in, uh, I thought I, I thought I saw a little bit more out of the second off, offensive line than I than I thought I was going to see maybe after PRP, and that's that's Clay. You know, was fairly upbeat yesterday, thinking maybe we do have a, a full too deep on the offensive line. I think you need to ha- you need to be too deep on the offensive line because you need somebody pushing everybody. You can't just have them settled in where you know four of the five starters from last year. And then two guys at the uh, left tackle spot, and they just all settle into that, those spots and say, okay, we're, we're good. Uh, you don't want that. You want somebody pushing, pushing those guys, and, and if you're going to have trouble at any particular spot, you want somebody else that can step in there. And uh, I think we're seeing a little bit of that, and, and that's probably the, the most difficult place, I think, on this team is the offensive line is to have enough guys behind those guys that are ready to step in and push them. And uh, it, it, like, for example, I thought one of the real tragedies of last year uh, was uh, what happened on the short week at Washington state and Toa comes down with, you know, the uh, staff infection and, and uh, Vianney gets hurt and, uh, and they go up there with some backup guys. And it was like, well, how do you expect us to be able to run our offense? We had to put backup guys in, and we can't run up, you know, against that mighty Washington State defense. I know that was, you know, <laughs> just total. That was total BS. I mean, that was every bad excuse in the book. Uh, and that can't happen at USC. You can't be in a situation where you're not prepared for Washington State because you got a couple injuries on the offensive line. No, you got to, you know, you got to get it done. And a lot of times you're going to get it done with that next next line guys. And uh, I mean, you like the idea that over the years Nico Fallow has stepped in, or uh, uh, let's see, Jordan Austin, I guess stepped in. Uh, when when that happens, those guys have to be ready to play. And I, and I do think you know getting more reps in is going to help, and getting more reps in against uh, pressure, and that's what yesterday was. Uh, is going to help. So I think it was a plus. I think they were better by the end of the day yesterday than when they started. And you couldn't say that a lot of times last year. A lot of times last year you said, well, they got through. They got their steps down. They know where they're supposed to line up, blah, blah, blah. I think, you know, after yesterday you had a sense of, okay, it looks like they can, they can play at this speed and, and, and you know, not be not quite ready. When they, you know, run up against the Notre Dame all fired up at home, have two weeks to get ready for them, or Washington State all fired up at home, or uh, in Ohio State trying to make up for how bad they looked the year before in a bowl game, and uh, just, you know, can't really compete physically. Uh, you got to compete every day in practice physically in order to be ready to, you know, to compete, especially against the, you know, the, the top level teams. And uh, the other thing I thought was really good. As Clay said, these guys are playing with a massive chip on their shoulders. I like that. I mean, I just think, good guy Clay, one of the problems has been everybody's kind of happy. And I don't think you can play football at that level without a chip on your shoulder. You've got to be kind of PO'd at everybody. Uh, and, you know, be happy after the game, but go into it not very happy at all. And I think this is a team that when you look at, you know, how people are thinking about them, uh, this is a team that ought to have a chip on its shoulder. I mean, if you've got a succession, if you're one of these kids and you're a succession of top five recruiting classes, and the best you can, you know, be in a preseason is 15th, I don't know if you saw this, Sports Illustrated just came out today, I guess, yesterday. They're top 25, no, no USC, not in the top 25. The only Pac-12 South team in the top 25 is Arizona. Arizona is picked to win, uh, win the uh, Pac-12 South, and Washington picked to be in the playoffs. If I'm USC, that really makes me upset. They that, have that, to, that, yeah. That, and so I think they ought to play like that. They really, And, you know, everybody that's on their schedule is picked in top 25 except USC. I mean, Arizona's picked to beat them. Washington's picked to, if they would happen to get them. Um, Notre Dame's picked to beat them. Uh, Texas has picked to beat them. You know, if you're on USC's schedule, they're picking you, not USC. If I'm USC, that really makes me mad.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, you need that chip on your shoulder. People talk about Ohio, the Ohio State game. Uh, The offensive line. There's a lot of that, so uh, we'll see. You know, we're seeing seeing a little bit more fire practice, so I think that should that should help. I've been really impressed with the defense, um, and I think the depth has helped, and they can do the two spotting with that. I'm just still a little skeptical, Dan. Are the guys up front? We'll see. Um, I think that's a that's a key factor, but we got to you know. I think you
0: should. I I agree. I think you should be. Yeah, I'm I'm skeptical, which is why the thing I think the X factor is figuring out. What exactly they can do with those guys where they are? What can you do with them? Do you have to do more, you know, four wides and depend on a, uh, you know, a freshman quarterback who just has an unbelievable arm uh, in terms of accuracy and timing? What do you do? Uh, You know, do you go? uh, You know, do you go with uh, some things that USC's not gone with before? Do you go with a running quarterback more? We saw that in practice yesterday. I mean, they haven't had guys like Jack Sears and uh, you know and Matt Fink who can take off with the ball. They get you know they they drop back and they don't see anything right away. I'd much rather have them taken off like they did yesterday than trying to throw it into a crowd or throw it somewhere where they're not sure uh, of throwing the ball. I mean, I I don't mind JT throwing that really tough throw because I think he can make it. But as far as the other two. I like the idea of them taking off. And I don't know that we've seen it where they seem to be really, uh, not only encouraging, but, you know, just letting a quarterback know that's the perfect thing for you to do. And Jack and Matt both do it. And that will be a shock to people playing USC because you just haven't seen USC quarterbacks do that. But you would like to see them coach up Jack and Mac, Matt a different way then they coach uh, JT and it looks like that's happening. And, 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 uh, you know, I like that because they're going to let JT make those difficult throws and they're not necessarily going to ask the other two guys to do that. And uh, again, that's good coaching.
1: Yeah. I think it's been good coaching. I've been impressed with the quarterbacks, Uh, you know, talking to uh, Matt Fink yesterday, it's, you know, it's a little strange. I think sometimes, he, the, the defensive line was getting pressure. He he complimented the defensive line saying uh, they're the best in the country. But then you're like, well, I don't want to throw my guys on, up front under the bus. So he said the offensive line was the best in the country. I think it was it was just kind of more like that. But just seeing them out there playing, um, I you know, Fink had a couple, you know, he had a, a nice, you know, a couple of nice deep balls. One would be caught for a touchdown. Another one would be dropped. Um, there's, you know, Jack Sears started the first two days and I'm, I'm putting together, uh, stats. I'm taking stats for every quarterback, every throw during competitive periods. Um, and I can kind of share a little bit right now. The first two days, uh, I think Jack Sears was over 90% Dan, and then he was like 11% or something, uh, yesterday. So it wasn't as, as good, but he had two really good days throwing the ball. Uh, I think it's been more than like the fifties or so. And then, uh, JT Daniels has been more like in the 60s, but there's not a lot of throws every practice. So you kind of have to look at the whole numbers and, you know, I'll, I'll keep compiling those and put them together. But all three of the guys I thought have played better. Uh, I thought Fink and Sears both have played better than what we saw in the spring. And one thing Matt Fink was emphasizing was that having JT Daniels, they were just going to up the competition. It was going to make things. They're just higher stakes. And I think, you know, I'm not saying anyone's winning. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but it seems like the stakes have been raised and Jack Sears and Matt Fink have, have stepped up their game.
0: Yeah, I think you can make the case, you know, in different ways, you know, and, and the kids I think are making their own, you know, decisions and, and Brian Ellis said, you know, by the end of this the kids will know, you know, uh who who the guy is. I mean I think the one the one difference is JT can make all the difficult throws in this offense. You're very often asked to make difficult throws. Now, whether that should be the case or not, it is the case. So, I do think the difference between and one of the uh, the big pick me ups since spring is I thought spring was a downer because the players were looking at the quarterback play and saying, "Holy crap, are we going to hit the shut people out to win games?" Uh, now, I think the fact that they've all come in here, they, they get to, they've gotten to see JT in the uh, PRPs, and they've seen uh, Matt and Jack just come back w- with a different look about them. Uh, I think that's, that's kind of picked everybody up, that, that, that they all uh, have that sense of, you know, we're going to be all right here. I and mean, I do think it's, it's hard to expect Matt or Jack to be able to make some of those difficult throws. They just, you know, Jack had really had some good, day, good days, and yet there were a couple of times where guys are wide open, and the ball, you know, sails one yeah. direction or bounces another. That whereas, if that was JT, you could have written down the completion before the ball left his hand. I mean, it's just he's more of a. You know, he's more of a machine. Uh, uh, he just, I mean, he's got a, uh, he's got a talent th- that's really unusual. I mean, he's, he is, he is advertised. I don't, I don't think there's any question. I talked, uh, caught Clay just a little bit after practice. He was heading in to, you know, look at some video. And only thing he would like to see is just speed it up a little bit. Uh, against that defense uh which is what you would expect you know kid coming out of high school it's his first time and pays against uh you know college defense against a pretty athletic uh college defense that we hope is going to be as good as we think it can be uh but uh but again he just he makes plays i mean he, he's got the ability to throw the ball outside the numbers. I mean, there are guys that they're drafting in the NFL in the first round who they're not completely sure can throw that pass outside the numbers. And JT already, you know, without any question of a doubt, he can throw the ball outside the numbers. I mean, it's, he makes it look so easy. It's Now you know what, when you, you would talk to Jordan Palmer or Sam Darnold about him, and they rave about the things he can do when you see him do some of these things, you see, you say to yourself, now I see what they're talking about. Uh, that ability to just throw that, you know, that 18 yard, you know, post, uh, stop at, that, uh, out, you know, just it couldn't have been easier. I mean, it, it just, uh, he's got a, he's got a, a certain ability But the idea that they're coaching the other two guys to take advantage of their skill sets and the fact that they can, you know, if they don't like what they see right away, you know, tuck it and go. That's an an element we haven't seen in the USC offense. I mean, they didn't really let Sam do that, much less uh, certainly didn't encourage him to. uh, And that's not the case now. And and one of the advantages you've got is, you know, you, you talk about a running quarterback uh if you've got a running quarterback the thing you need is two running quarterbacks cuz you got one and he goes down you very often don't have somebody who can kind of do the same thing if you've got two guys that can do it you can be a lot more uh encouraging of him to you know take off a, a, and go with it and i think that's helped both of those guys with their own uh you know their own confidence so uh Unlike what we thought we were going to see out of the spring, uh, you got three pretty good, pretty confident quarterbacks back there. Uh, and I, I don't think any of us saw that coming.
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, we we should probably jump into these questions, but the first one has Again? to d- deal with the quarterbacks. So obviously, that's what a lot of the talk is going to be about, and that that makes sense because you want to know who the quarterback is. Uh, this is from Jared. He said. Quick question on the coming quarterback decision. Is there a possible scenario where either Fink or Sears is more consistent in camp than Daniels, but Daniels is given the starting position because he has a higher ceiling?
0: Well, I, I don't even know. I think it's interesting because they're not calling the same plays for him. They're not running the same offense exactly. Uh, so uh, you'll see JT is being asked to throw some more difficult stuff. Uh, And so, which I think makes sense. They're different quarterbacks. So they probably need to, need to be coached that way. I don't think that's always the way it's been. And I've been to NFL camps where, you know, they've got three different guys and they make them run the same play over the same guys. They all run the same play. And you think, man, uh, they're not the same quarterback. They don't have the same skill set, but, uh, but I like what they're doing here in terms of, uh, of individually, you know, calling plays that I think work for, work for each of these guys. So I don't know that you're going to be able to say absolutely that you can, you know, compare the, the three of them in terms of, uh, of consistency because they're not playing the same team. I mean, it's the kind of thing that makes me upset when they talk about, uh, like, in uh, Sports Illustrated. And Washington had the best defense by far in the Pac-12 uh, uh, in yards per play and yards and all that. And you think, well, yeah, but they didn't play anybody in their non-conference. They didn't play Notre, you know, Notre Dame. They didn't play, uh, uh, you know, uh, Texas. They didn't play. So uh, that so some of those stats don't necessarily work. I don't want to you know, put Ryan down in terms of his uh, his stat work with the quarterback. But they're, they are asking them to uh, make a lot of different kinds of throws based on, I think, what, what works for each of those guys. So, so I think they're going to make a decision more on uh, not, not so much just on stats, but who do they feel comfortable with and who, who with the offense they're going to go out on the field with, who can execute it uh, the best and, and move, it, move it. And uh, I think the difference, as you saw yesterday, was you have a much better chance on third and long. I would think at this point, with J T. Daniels' arm, he can make throws that get you first down Difficult throws. Uh, it's it's it, it just is the big difference. Uh,
1: I, I think. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't think you know. I'm just putting these stats together for fans' perspective. But just because Jack Sears, if he was completing ninety percent of his balls. If he's not doing what the coaches want him to do and he's not doing, what I'm, you know, that, a lot of that stuff I don't think matters all that much. Yeah, I mean, if you're completing more passes, you probably have a better shot. But um, there's a lot more that's going into this. Um, and you got to see, you know, there's there's a lot that the coaches are looking for. And one of those things that you talked about was some of the throws that JT Daniels makes, you're like, I don't know if the other guys could make <laughs> that throw. And uh, it's interesting. So you talk about his arm strength. Eric in Duck Country wants, wants to know. How would you compare JT Daniels to Matt Barkley, another guy that started as a true freshman quarterback? Thanks, as always, Eric and Duck Country.
0: JT's uh, he more of a machine. He's just more of an absolute uh, uh, execute the same throw over and over and over again. Uh, Matt was a little more of a slinger, where JT is more uh, just he has a, you know, I'm just trying to think of who he reminded me of and not body type or anything but but a guy like a a a troy aikman who didn't have an arm that you said wow look at that but everything was where it was supposed to be Um, and there was an execution where it just over and over and over again and uh, i think that's where that's where where JT is, uh, uh, that kind of a guy who just seems to be able to, to execute uh, execute the throw. I mean, I think, for example, there are a third and long that they will call for JT that they would not call for the other, other two quarterbacks because they're going to require a throw that you're just not sure that you want to uh, ask them to make. Uh, so... So, uh, so some of that's going to come down to what does the USC game plan call for? What do they want to be running in these different situations? And who do they want, you know, who do they want to be running it? But I, I do think they're doing the right things in preparing the quarterbacks to get you know, the maximum out of each of the quarterbacks. And uh, they're not, for example, they're not holding back on JT because he's a freshman. I mean, they're not – I like that a lot. I mean, Matt Liner, for example, when he, he started, they uh, – uh, at that Auburn game, uh, Norm Chow and Pete, they didn't trust Matt with the whole offense at all. I don't think that's the case with JT. I think they're – you know, I think they're just – and they're trusting him to make the tough throws. So uh, it's kind of a different world, you know, 15 years later. They expect a lot more out of young quarterbacks if they've got that kind of, uh, you know, talent.
1: And he certainly does. Uh, Well, let's talk about some other players. Uh, Jason in Longhorn Country, what are your thoughts on Keyshawn Pye Young at wide receiver?
0: You know, they got a lot of guys at wide receiver. And I think it's been more difficult for him with uh, the two freshmen who've stepped in. Amon Ra and uh, St. Brown and uh, Devin Williams have really made an impression, Uh, you know, in terms of physical their physical abilities, their, uh, their size, their speed, their toughness, their, uh, you know, they, they did a great job in conditioning in the summer, uh, did a great job on PRPs and uh, picked right up, uh, you know, making tough plays. Uh, they do not look like freshmen. So if you're in that second tier of, you know, wide receivers, it's been a, it's a, it's a battle to, uh, you know, to get yourself noticed. I think Josh, the modern and, and Trevon Sidney, uh, have made some inroads there. But, uh, but the addition of those two guys, the two freshmen, um, uh, you know, in that say next group, uh, from, uh, uh from Tyler bonds and, uh, and Michael Pittman, make it, um, uh, make it a little tough. If you're in that, you're in that, you know, next group trying to get, to get noticed there, there's, you know, you can only throw so many passes and run so many plays in practice. And, uh, uh, you just you know owe it to yourself to give uh, you know to give a lot of shots uh, to uh, uh, Amon Ra and Devin. I mean, they're just uh, they're so impressive.
1: We uh, also had a question about uh, from Tarek. Do, Le- uh, do Levi Jones and John Houston look bigger to you?
0: I think so. I don't know that either one of them. I don't think big. I mean, uh, you know, they're 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 certainly tall enough. I mean, they, you know, they're the six three kids and and you know, rangy, uh, long arms. Uh, they're never going to be run, you know, fillers. They're never going to be guys that are going to step up into that, you know, in, in the A-gap and just, you know, take on a fullback. And, and, and that's just not what they do. But they can run to the football. Levi, uh, the other day, I, I think he was nearly 30 yards downfield when he broke up a pass. Uh, he's got, you know, he and, he and John Houston can fly. They can run to the, you know, run to the sidelines, run to the quarterback. I think that's what they're, they're gonna, they're gonna do. But you know, they they filled out a little, but I, I don't think that's uh, that's just not the role that they see for those guys. They're uh, they want them to fly to the football and and figure out how to get there, uh, you know, some way and and to be on assignment, you know, perfect, uh, always be where where you need them to be. And so I think that's the, that's the key for that position.
1: Let's see. All right. We had, uh, you're right there. We got a couple more. Let's see. Well, we got more than a couple more. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> Nick and Cyprus, big Nick, 21 USC from the P. Uh, what is your opinion early in fall camp? Uh, on what I believe will determine this season, both the defensive and the offensive lines. And who do you think starts at left tackle
0: you know i'm not even i I'm, I'm try to guess uh, I, I want them to decide that uh and uh you know since we haven't even had a, a single full pads day uh we'll let them decide uh who, who's going to start it, at left tackle i think some of it'll be uh uh you know do you miss any counts uh, are you you know still in your stance when the you know the, the ball is snapped and that kind of thing uh but uh yeah, I think uh, obviously you've got to have guys that can play at both sides of the line, and that was what you know got Pete going early on. Uh, yeah, I still th- I, I still like the way Sean Cody talks about how he and uh, Jacob Rogers went against each other every day, and Jacob Rogers they would study film, and Jacob Rogers would look at what the offensive lineman that Sean Cody was going to face was going to be doing, and Sean Cody would look at what the defensive lineman that Jacob Rogers was going to face was going to be doing. And they would give each other, and they were smart enough and good enough to be able to give each other that look in practice that week. And uh, one, of that, one of the things that tells you is, obviously, you had the ones going against the ones. And when you have All-Americans going against All-Americans, they get better. And That really is what's one of the reasons they all keep telling you, yeah, our practices were tougher than our games. Well, one of the reasons was they weren't going against All-Americans in games like they were in practice. Uh, So, I mean, that's the kind of thing where you really have to develop. We haven't seen guys yet get themselves to that level where you would pick somebody on the USC offensive or defensive line right now, uh, not counting the outside linebackers, but that you would say, wow, that guy's an All-American, and he's going to make the guys across from him better. I think they've got to get to that place where – they really start, you know, becoming forces. Now, Chuma Doga, he's 10 pounds heavier. He's 305. I don't know that I ever thought Chuma would ever get to be 305. Uh, And he's got the skill set. If he gets his head, you know, where, you know, on every play and is able to, you know, be that guy, he makes the defense that much better every day in practice. So I think that's the big key. And the fact that they are going hard, Uh, and full out and 11 on 11 and one's against ones. That's a big jump up. Uh, It gives USC a chance to get better uh, in a hurry, I think uh, over last year. So, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, where that goes, but, uh, but that's what I think you have to have is, is good players making other good players better because they compete in practice uh, all out. and, Again, you know, we railed about it, we screamed about it, we yelled about it, we jumped up and down about it for a long time that that wasn't happening. looks like it is, and that's a good thing.
1: We have uh, Don wrote in. He's got a series of questions, so maybe we'll just kind of rapid-fire them. Um, do you think Wale, so he was talking about Alawale Patiku, has shown improvement since he has enrolled? He was a five-star uh, coming out of high school, if you remember.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, you know, the, the lack of, you know, a lot of football experience, uh, I think has hurt. And the tight, he's kind of a, you know, a tight kid. He's a wonderful, you know, personality, just a terrific kid. Uh, the inability to exactly find the right position for him, and then to have the, uh, you know, the hip surgery, I think gives him a natural break here to figure out uh Where does he go and what does he do? I know there was some talk about he was going to be able to maybe become a Rasheem Green type player and and put on that extra weight. I'm not and and and, and go down, you know, get get down in the uh, you know the defensive line, kind of play that you know hybrid uh, you know defensive end tackle spot. Uh, I'm just not sure when I look at him whether his body will take you know and go from, you know, 255 or whatever to 275. I'm just, not, I'm not sure. So I don't think we know, you know, where, uh, where, uh, Oluwole ends up. Uh, I don't know that he's the guy to be playing out in space. I don't think he's an out in this out in space guy. I don't think he's a, you know, a guy that you're, uh, want, you know, to drop into coverage. Uh, so I think it's, it's just so important for him to, you know, to get a sense of this is, you know, what I can do. This is where I belong uh, on, on the football field. And, uh, you know, that's going to take time. And so having an extra year maybe with uh, hip surgery, because uh, he hasn't been in action at all, uh, you know, this year, and probably not expected to be, although he's out there, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, he has it pants on with his helmet, uh, but he's not doing the uh, – uh, calisthenics and uh, stretching and, and, and not really, you know, participating, but he's out there. But, uh, but so far, no, he, he's not, uh, He's not been able to, you know, improve or find a, find a spot for himself.
1: And I, you know, I apologize. Don had more about uh, Wally on that one. I'll just read what he said. I think you answered what he was saying though. He said, do you think he's improved enough to contribute? The few times I've seen him on the field, he looked more like a dance partner with the offensive lineman than rather than a defensive end or outside linebacker when he enrolled, I was hoping he would be something special. So I think that's just where that question was coming from.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the hardest things, maybe if you haven't played football, is learning how to disengage uh, blockers and and shed them and go buy them and whatever. And uh, it's almost not even something. I mean, you can, you know, they work on it. They work on techniques and things like that. But it just seems to be a skill set that, That you have to have developed, and a lot of that I think starts with playing. You know, maybe younger than a lot of people think you should be playing, but uh, but you know it takes a while. And if you get engaged, no matter how strong you are or how athletic you are, if you stay engaged with those offensive linemen, you're probably not going to be in the play. Uh, They're just going to be in the way. Uh, So that's a special skill set for defensive uh, linemen, especially. Uh, to be able to, you know, just to play through people. And we haven't seen that.
1: All right. um, Let's play. We have a voicemail question for you. I'm going to play it and get your thoughts. Hey, guys. This is Matt here from Red Bluff. I was just watching some old
0: highlights on the Pac-12 network. And I was watching Odori Jackson. And I was just wondering if uh, anybody, any of you guys have seen anyone currently on the USC roster that has the kind of speed that Odori Jackson showed. Uh, thanks for all you guys do. don't You know, I, I think speed. Um, they've got a, you know some guys that aren't that far behind in speed. But I think what Odori had was just uh, a knack, a sense, <clears throat> an ability to change directions. Uh, he had you know some god given talents of elusiveness and uh, just a total lack of fear and. Some of those things aren't necessarily uh, uh, directly speed related. I mean, obviously he had more speed as well. But uh, but I mean, you look at an Amin Ra, uh, St. Brown. He's got a, he's a completely different kind of athlete. I mean, he's got the same confidence, same uh, really good hands, <clears throat> but he's a real thick, and yet. Very elusive, very, uh, you know, can you know, change directions. Uh, all of it. He, He's kind of a freak, a little bit, I think. I was, um, you know, telling some people the other day that you do not expect a guy built as thick and strong as he is to have the kind of, you know, fine motor skills, the, the baseball hands, for example, and, uh, and the eyes. I mean, he does a, a darn thing when he's lying on the ground, uh, face down. And the ball is punted, and he flips over, and he not only has to locate the ball, he has to track it down, he has to go catch it, and uh, and then he, you know, works on his punt return. I mean, we haven't ever seen anybody do that. So he's got some special things that that maybe you can teach yourself, but I'm not sure anybody can teach you. Uh, but will there be somebody like a Dory? I I doubt it. He had some uniqueness that uh, uh, you know the almost world class long jumper uh, that gives you some escapability in certain situations uh, he, he had you know you can't have any better hips than Adore had in terms of you know being able to get from here to there uh, however you had to move to get from here to there and you know, you're coming this way and all of a sudden you're over there I don't know that, that USC yes, should ever expect to, to have somebody quite like that. Uh, I mean, Dory had it, I mean, almost, you know, better than Reggie. Reggie had it in a different way. Reggie had it in a more powerful, you know, stop-start way. But uh, Dory had it in a way that, um, uh, so I don't know if it's fair to compare anybody to a but in terms of confidence and catching the ball, and being able to, uh, you know, make a, a really decisive first move and beat that first group and all that, I think right now you'd you have to say that that guy would be uh, be uh, Armand Raw.
1: Yeah, he's been impressive too, uh, for sure, as a true freshman. Um, we just got a couple more. Okay, so this one, um, Trojan the Barber. He said, "Hello, boys. Glad the season is back up and swinging. Thank you guys for keep, keeping us up to date on what's going on." With the USC football team for another year, what I want to know is, do you see a different attitude with the USC football team this season? Does it seem like the boys are ready to take the next step on becoming a national title team with a tough mindset? Thank you for all you do. Can't wait for the boys to get going on a hopeful national title run, starting with UNLV, Trojan the Barber.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I think they are uh, – pretty unhappy with how last year turned out and they know they know better than we do I mean we were unhappy they were really unhappy they know they were embarrassed as hell about the Notre Dame game and and every one of those losses they're embarrassed as hell about those those and uh and, and no it shouldn't have turned out that way not necessarily that you you win all of them but that you don't go up there and play like that and uh and, and, and I, I, you're really impressed with uh, the seniors, with Kim, uh, you know, Kim Smith and, and Porter Gustin and Marvell Tell and uh, you know, guys that are just, you know, Iman Marshall, who are coming back and saying, look, uh, we're not going to let this happen. And uh, I, I, I really I like a Tyler Barnes who is kind of a quiet kid, but uh, he's really uh, you know, very much a, a become a leader in his own way. And I'm not sure, you know, we saw that coming. And uh, having the quarterbacks kind of move along with them, I mean, I thought that was the big drag after spring was, what about the quarterbacks? What about them? What about them? And uh, I think there's an, an upbeat sense there. Uh, things are moving in the right direction. I mean, Aka Cedric Ware just looks so good. And then to have Stephen Carr come back, as you know, uh, to give you that, you know, possible star running back, Uh and yet, you know, you, you, you say, gee, Dr. Cedric is is doing everything he could possibly ask for. And then you get, um, uh, you know, a freshman like Marquis step who is, uh, at 230 pounds has got way quicker feet and a burst and a, a change of direction that people are like, wow, who, you know, and he, you know, he was fighting, you know, some injuries the last couple of years in high school and, and maybe didn't, you know, show that all the time, but, um, he really, uh, He's really a great prospect. So the, things are kind of falling in place, and you know there are an awful lot of guys you know that can play defense. And so uh, I think this team has a sense of we could be pretty good. I mean, uh, for all the people, and and you see an awful lot of people that are picking Washington to be the team in the you know the fourth team in the playoffs. And uh, I think there are a lot of people at USC saying, boy, all you you want to do is get into that championship game with Washington. And become, you know, the fourth team in the playoffs. I mean, I think that's a, a reasonable goal, you know, for this team. Obviously, you've got to get through weeks two and three on the road. You got to get through Stanford. You got to hold Bryce Love down. You got to, you can't let, you know, uh, you know Costello throw some of those things that they let him throw at the end of the championship game last year. Uh, but uh, and then you got to go to Texas, and you got to be Ready. That'll be uh, Texas's Super Bowl or whatever. I would think for Tom Herman, he needs to kind of, you know, convince people that he's moving in the right direction. And beating USC in in Austin would be, you know, the way to do it. So they got to be ready. And I do think there is an urgency. How many times have we heard Clay say a sense of urgency? And it's not just this team and these seniors, but it's these next few weeks to get ready you know, for the the way the season opens. And uh, they've got a chance. If they go and win at Palo Alto and they win at Austin, they will become a team that everybody in the country will say, oh, wow, they're real. They're, you know, USC's back and all that kind of thing. And so I kind of like that challenge for them that, you know, they're not going to be back just because people say they're back. They're going to hit the show that they're actually back. And the only way they're going to be able to do that is to be more ready to play, uh, you know, in weeks two and three, then, uh, and then Stanford and, uh, and Texas. And if you go by many of the preseason rankings, USC, isn't going to be favored in either one of those games. So that's almost the perfect scenario. If you're a USC team with a chip on your shoulder is to go into those places and win. And, uh, I just think it's set up well if they, you know, set themselves up well. Uh, you know, they've got a chance to be that team that can do that. But they got to get it right. they got to get everything right. They can't run a lot of plays that make no sense. They can't run the ball into, you know, point of attack where there are more defenders than there are, uh, you know, offensive people. They've got to be smart. They can't have throwaway plays. They can't, you know, turn the ball over they can't um, have all those penalties and we got to do a lot of things right that we haven't seen them do right uh and so you know i think a lot of the challenge is on the coaches but i think the players look like they want the challenge that they've taken the challenge i think the, the challenge now for me is for the coaches to get it right
1: yep uh, i agree with you there i think special teams got to play better too uh a lot of hidden yards um Got well, I
0: mean, more. this is the thing. That's where the, I, I think again. That's the coaching because I mean, when you're USC, if you don't have guys that can cover kickoffs and, and punts, we, I mean, they could do it. They could have an all linebacker team to cover <laughs> kickoffs right. or punts. They could have an all defensive back team. I mean, they've got enough athletes, guys who can run and tackle and all that. You got to just get them ready. I mean, uh, you know, uh, as far as the kickers. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do uh, they can be I think pretty acceptable uh, and they're both you know they're both veterans uh, they just have to be i I think that'll probably be okay but as far as just putting everything together uh, they've got to get it right this year and and last year was I mean the, just the the party turns itself were so discouraging that it made everything look bad it, it just made it look like you were you were not competent. I mean, it just made it look like they don't know what they're doing, and uh, I think that was that's been the key, you know, for you know this, practice, this fall camp is having the quarterbacks come in <clears throat> and looking like they all can play. Makes you feel better about the team. I think the same thing with uh, special teams. You got to have special teams that catch the ball, you know, when it's punted to you, and don't catch it inside the ten but do catch it at the 20. And they kind of mixed those up, you know. They were catching it inside the 10 and missing it at the 20. And it was like, come on, this is USC. You've got to be able to get these things right. And uh, that's, again, to me, I think a lot of that's on the coaches.
1: I agree with you 100%. Uh, we, get, we have a text question. He uh, says, do you happen to know if they're going to shut off or cover up the renovation webcam during the camp sessions that will be taking place in the Coliseum. I wonder if anyone <laughs> on the coaching staff knows <laughs> that anyone who wants to get a full view of the field in real time, 24-7, you can watch it there. That's from Go Blue SC. Wow. Go Blue SC is different.
0: That's an absolutely genius question. <laughs> How smart are you? <laughs> Holy criminy. Uh, someone will be asked that question today. Uh <laughs> at practice <laughs> wow
1: pretty good that huh? is
0: really smart our guys are whoa oh man that's uh that's very smart uh there might be some coaching staffs around the country uh disappointed about that but right. uh that is that's smart. so what's our, what's was our questioner's name
1: oh that was go blue sc which is an interesting name in itself
0: go blue sc huh yeah. hmm okay a little mystery with that. So blue uh, fan, name. yeah. We used to wonder if before that, uh, the last building, which I, I, I can't even come up with the name of it, uh, Ryan. It was like the inner, you know, brain building or something, whatever. Uh, the one at the end of the, oh, uh, the neuro, field.
1: neuroscience center. Thing.
0: Yeah, some kind of combination <laughs> neurosciences, whatever. Uh, before that building went up, you could put a gopro camera on your windshield uh and park your car in the right place like on the fifth floor of the uh, parking garage and you could probably video the entire usc practice and there were times you did wonder if there were people doing just that uh you can't do it now with uh with the new building there but um what an interesting thing that would have been if that daggone thing would have been uh, broadcasting from the uh from the
1: practices. Yeah. Huh. That would be cool. Uh we'll find we out. We will
0: ask. We will definitely ask.
1: And then then our hey. friend Joan wrote in the last one. He, she said, uh, I saw on Instagram that Jamel Cook is now at another SC, South Carolina. The article said that USC tried to block him from transferring to another Pac-12 program as well as a few others. Uh I didn't read I haven't read that yet. Um Cook no. questions. One, what happened to him? Two, I thought he was academically ineligible and the athletic department was hush-hushed about it for some reason. I don't want to speculate on on their failures. So why did he never get a real chance to play? And three, did the coaches make a mess of it with him? Because there must be some reason they don't want to play against him. Uh, Joan Lewis. This, I mean, this is a great question. I've always been a Jamel Cook fan. I've always thought he was legit talent that could play. They moved him around. There's, you know, there's always something seemed to be going on and it just never worked out with Jamel cook.
0: Yeah, he was, uh, I mean, here's the kid that could play all three spots. He, could, he was big enough and athletic enough to play safety, quick enough to play corner. And obviously if you can play both of those at six, three, you can play in the slot in the nickel. So he could do everything. Uh, he just didn't all the time. He wasn't always available. Wasn't always around. Uh, it, it, there were scrapes where he uh, he got involved in some you know off the field stuff. that wasn't terrible, but it just wasn't it's just the kind of thing. Like if something could go wrong, it seemed to happen to go wrong with with Jamel. Uh, and he was scrambling, I think, academically. I think one of the things that USC you know may have uh, tried to block him from pac twelve, which I think has been the normal thing. Uh, uh, for interconference uh, 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 intra conference transfers, uh, but uh, but they did have him in school because uh, I think he had to finish up uh, in uh, uh, the summer, so he was still around, and you would see him every once in a while, you know, saying hi to the guys at um, you know the PRPs and, and what have you. So you knew he was trying to you know get in get his grades so that he could transfer. I know the joke was that. He uh, unfortunately got a USC trans, uh, tattoo when he came to USC, and there's only one place he really could transfer to without having to deal <laughs> with that with that tattoo. So uh, I'm glad for him. Uh, you know, a legitimate program, SEC program. He'll get a chance to you know go to the next level if he uh, really gets it all together. I don't know that anybody doesn't have a good feeling about Jamel, and and wishes him well and all that. I think they really tried with Jamal. I just think there were things he just, just couldn't seem to stay on top of in order to be able to be a contributor. Um, and I, I think it didn't help, but he was in the same backfield at times with, uh, with Jack Jones. And you had a couple of, uh, people that were just kind of outside the, the margins. Uh, and, and you can't really have that, uh, you know, um, you know, if, if you want a defense, uh, you know, to work. Uh, so, um, good, you know, good luck for you know, Jamel. I don't think the USC coaches got it wrong with Jamel. I think they really tried and tried as hard as they could because they knew. I mean, a good kid in a lot of ways, and uh, and uh, and certainly a, a guy who could play. And they, I think, they tried everything they could possibly try. And uh, I think this is one of those cases where. Uh, you know, a transfer and a, a reality check, you know, for for Jamel could be, uh, uh you know, a good thing. I mean, he came to USC. He he was behind from the start because he'd been in an automobile accident and he had a broken foot. And he started out behind and he never quite caught up. That's uh, too bad. Wish he, uh you know, wish he could have made it here. But, uh well, I think I'll be pulling, you know, for him there. And I'm probably happy that he didn't have to he's not playing for another Pac twelve team. I uh, I probably would like to see kids have, you know, pretty much total freedom there, but uh yeah. as long as that's kinda of the rule that everybody plays by, uh he still had a plenty of a places he could go. And as he proved by, by going to a pretty good, you know, South Carolina program.
1: Yeah. And I didn't think he would want to stay on the West coast anyway, but who knows, you know, like it's, he's, he's a, you know, Miami kid. You don't want to do that, but um, all right, Dan Weber, we're going to see out there in a couple hours at practice. It just, it just never ends. So uh, yeah. but I'm glad we got to squeeze in a show and hopefully everyone enjoyed it. And if you are listening to this on Tuesday before midnight on the West coast, make sure you take advantage of the flash sale. Uh, ten bucks, and you get five months, basically the whole the rest of the year, uh, for just ten bucks. So great stuff! It's a fire hose of content. I just got a tweet from someone who said they just signed up, and they he goes, my information went from garden hose to fire hose. So it's just like that. Um, <laughs> all right, but but Dan, we'll see you out there, all right?
0: Very good. Yes, we will.
1: Sounds good. Well, Can't that's wait. that's Dan Weber. I'm Ryan Abraham. Uh, if you have any questions, you can email us podcast at uscfootball dot com. We appreciate you listening.